0: Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 163, my friends. Today we have Becca Ribbing. She is author of the Clarity Journal... Find the Clarity and Momentum You've Been Searching For. And uh, she's also a coach, and she's got uh, another book in the works right now. We talk a little bit about that towards the end here. And she really just imparted a lot of really great information about finding clarity in our lives, as you might imagine, with the Clarity Journal and making decisions accordingly, getting to know ourselves, facing things head on, dealing with uh, all the different uh, caveats of this time, especially during this COVID, where this unemployment situation has just, you know, ended as far as, you know, the extra subsidies from the government and stuff. So people are in a, in a crossroads kind of position right now. And we talked all about all of that. We even talked about how this applies in parenting with our own kids and how help them make decisions and support and honor them in that process as well. And uh, so before we jump into that, I'm excited to bring it to you. But I want to remind you, as always, you are absolutely priceless. Please keep that in mind. Please don't ever forget that. Please don't let anyone or anything or, you know, comparing ourselves to other things in kind of some weird delusional way, which is usually what happens when we start to compare ourselves, uh, because whatever like if we, I'm comparing to this next door neighbor person or whoever it is that. Uh, I've got strengths and they've got strengths and uh, we've both got different sets of weaknesses and stuff. It doesn't matter. Like, uh, We don't need to be comparing. We don't need to be feeling down on ourselves because you need to find that stuff in you and that's a daily process, really. you got to get in tune with yourself every day. You are absolutely priceless. You're above all the monetary systems. The riches are found in you. So keep that in mind. Look in the mirror and tell yourself that right now. Pause the podcast. You are priceless. And also, you're never alone. Reach out if you need to. Info at Empower101 on Instagram and Twitter, of course. And, uh, of course, our challenges, I just want to jump in there as well. Study, start studying, keep studying. I'm continuing on these books I've been uh, reading and listening to, and there's actually several. I've I've probably got too many going on right now, so I need to whittle that down a little bit, finish some maybe, and then go back to others. But um, I'm listening to a couple biography, autobiography, really, uh, stories of Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. None of this, and I mentioned this recently, none of this has anything to do with any political leanings by me, uh, which, by the way, I don't agree a lot with Barack Obama. I don't agree a lot with a lot of folks on all sides of the spectrum. But I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing how they got through things. I love the challenges. I love just the whole uh, process of being people and, and seeing what people and human beings in general are, are capable of. That's why, again, the Empower Humans podcast exists. <laughs> so find that for you. Find that fire in you. Find that thing that you can study that can really uh, light that fire in you if it's not quite there yet. But moving on to the second challenge. Make great moments. Now, we came off a holiday weekend, uh, things like this, and we're going to start entering the holiday season here soon. Uh, Look for opportunities to really kind of romanticize your life a little bit. And that's, you know, surprising people. That's just spending time with the people and things that matter. Not everybody is as extroverted perhaps as me or even Becca here. We talked about that in an extrovert sense in our uh, interview as well here today. But uh, we all have, I think for the most part, we have people we care about. And usually this whole thing about making great moments needs to revolve around those people uh, because those those experiences, those things will be the pillars in our lives that – You know, we'll overshadow all the nonsense when this thing comes to a close. And I've been saying that for a while. So go make great moments, whatever that means for you. Surprise somebody, leave a note. Very simple stuff. It doesn't have to be some big elaborate production. And the last challenge is very simple. Let's keep doing this podcast together. Becca brought us some really, really priceless material here. And I encourage you to just go check out her website. I'm going to put her website in the show notes, beccaribbing.com. And uh, without further ado, let's jump right in. Here we go with the one and only Becca Ribbing. We are pleased to welcome today Becca Ribbing, who is author, of course, of the Clarity Journal. We're going to talk about that today, Becca, and also been a coach and doing all kinds of really great things, helping people um, just make decisions and uh, get over the hurdles that so many of us face in life. Is that a correct uh, depiction, Becca, of what you do?
1: (laughs) That is perfect. I love that. Yeah. Well,
0: that's my understanding. I've done some research on you as well. And and this work that you've done. So where are you coming to us today from? Usually when I talk to guests beforehand, I'm like, Hey, where are you? And so, but we didn't do that. Where are you?
1: <laughs> I'm in Seattle.
0: Oh, okay. We're both on Pacific time. Cool. I'm in Las yeah. Vegas, uh, okay. down the road. You ever come to Vegas?
1: You know, it's so funny. I actually have not been to Vegas. I've been, been to Reno a number of times because our some family used to live there. <laughs> and I just haven't been to Vegas. It's high on my list, especially every time it you know starts getting rainy again here like, <laughs> oh it's really sunny and it's not that expensive to go to vegas i
0: should go. <laughs> yeah it's really not probably from seattle but you no, know we,
1: it's easy
0: it's funny how it's like the grass has always grew like we in vegas would love your rain to be honest i mean <laughs> right well <laughs> we, you should we come visit
1: it. us in the winter time because we have lots of rain in the winter time during the summer we actually don't get very much rain at all but oh really Yeah. Uh,
0: Yeah. I've, I've, my brother just moved up near Seattle, but, uh, I have not yet been to visit. So sorry, brother Mike. Uh, anyway, um, (laughs) cool. Are you from there originally or where are you from originally?
1: Oh, I had parents who were kind of hippies. So (laughs) I'm from a lot of places, but I would say I've lived the longest in DC, but I lived there three separate times, which is why it's now the longest
0: oh it's kind of like a combined longest huh right yeah I've have you know no offense to my mom but she was a little bit of a hippie too I don't know that that's they don't like guess look down on that term but it is kind of one of those terms where it's like oh that can mean a lot of things <laughs>
1: Well, when I tell people I move around a lot I, I say that because when I tell people that I move around a lot it w- it's always oh you grew up in the military like no the no, opposite <laughs>
0: Oh, the hippie thing. Yeah, no, I I get it. Yeah, that's that's uh, so D.C. What did you think of D.C.? I've talked to some folks recently who said they've loved living in D.C.
1: I love D.C. And I'm extremely glad not to live there anymore. Uh, (laughs) It is a place unto itself. You know, I think there are only a few cities in America that are like this. Um, New York, L.A., but it's a company town. It's a, a, everyone is in the same industry. So in DC, everyone is in the military or politics and not literally everyone, but when you go to a party, that is what they talk about. I don't mm-hmm. know that you've ever been to a, like a party in LA, yeah. but it's amazing how much more they talk about movies and TV shows than anywhere else in the world. And so <laughs> I, I am interested in politics. I, I you know, I, I, I'm fairly well read, yeah. but still, it is, it's a little intense when you go to a party and everyone's just always talking about who they know and <laughs> what they're doing. And it, it does get a little overwhelming. So I really love being in Seattle because here everyone's really laid back. We actually don't even have stop signs at a lot of places, I've never lived somewhere like in a major city. I live in the city of Seattle and most of our intersections don't even have stop signs because everyone's so laid back. They just let each other go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, wow, we could delve in all kinds of stuff there. Um, <laughs> so, so by the way, the stop sign topic, it's just, people just come slow down and if somebody's yeah. there. Stop. I, whoever not... <laughs>
1: gets there. Whoever's the closest gets the right of way.
0: Well, it's funny. Like, when you think about it, we could go into a deep, probably hour long conversation about this. People don't think much about stop signs. It's just like a formality. If we just realize, oh, there's an intersection. So right. common sense tells us slow down. And if nobody's coming, keep going. <laughs> and exactly. if are, do the right thing.
1: <laughs> it's really, it was really fascinating to move here because rules here just don't have the same. I mean, and this is like totally dichotomy in D.C., rules matter. You know, you are talking about the people who make all of the rules and they are yeah. very type A and very rules oriented. I, in DC, if I picked up my kids a minute late from daycare, by golly, they were going to charge me that $5, even if it was like literally <laughs> 601. Here, the first time I picked up my kid, I think five minutes late. And I was like, so horrified. And <laughs> They looked at me funny. I mean, it's in their handbook that they'll charge you, but it's kind of like, oh, well, that's like if you become a problem, yeah. <laughs> this is your first time. Why would we charge you? And it's just such a different orientation. And, you know, at first I really had a hard time with it. I guess it's like rules better. I've lived in D.C. for so long. And before that, mm-hmm. I lived in New York and people are pretty rulesy up in New York, too. Um,
0: in the different and-
1: <laughs> In a different way, in a totally different way. But uh, it's just kind of a weird, wonderful, relaxed atmosphere. And I really hope that it keeps that as more and more people come in. It'll be interesting to see. since it's growing so fast. It'll be interesting to see whether it keeps the personality.
0: Yeah, that's that's really interesting. It's funny to see how different pockets of the country are different towards all kinds of things. And I I talked to I literally talked to hundreds and hundreds of people. In the last few months, all over the country, and and so I kind of both the accents, the way people talk, and then just attitudes towards all facets of life
1: and yeah. hot
0: button political issues too. But anyway, we digress a little. Let's talk about you and your your background and everything that you do. Um, tell me a little bit about growing up with these hippies and what brought you to this place uh, with the the Clarity Journal and all the things you're doing to help so many people
1: now. You know, that's a great question. I think even growing up with hippies, a lot of the adults in my life did not like their jobs. I don't know whether you've had that moment as a kid where you're talking to some adult and they're going on and on about how much their job sucks. Yeah. And I think it made such a profound impact. I remember very vividly being in the car with my grandfather and I must have been under 12. Uh, and, you know, it's my grandfather. So he is nearing retirement age. He probably was in his late fifties, early sixties, and he was just going on about how much he hated everybody at his job and really didn't like it, and it was boring. And I really just sat there and I was like, "Um, <laughs> so why don't you get a new one?" Oh no, <laughs> that's not what people do. Like this is the, my job, and I'm going to have this job until I retire. And I. It made me so anxious <laughs> to even think about it. And so I feel like I filed that away in the back of my head. I filed away all of the people growing up that like, really never seemed to like their jobs. Mm-hmm. And then I go through college and you know I'm in my 20s and I think I know everything. I think I know exactly what I'm going to do. And then I get into the real world and it's not. My thing, I don't like it, and Mm -hmm. I did a lot of soul searching and a lot of going back and forth and back and forth and a lot of doing, um, like a lot of reading, like what colors your parachute, taking my Myers Briggs test, Uh, and through that soul searching process, I didn't get that much clearer for a while, but I started helping all of my friends. All of my friends were going through the same process of I went to college. I thought I knew what I was going to do. I either didn't get that job. So now what do I do? Mm -hmm. Or I ended up in this weird sidetrack and how do I get back to where I want to be? And I started helping more and more of my friends. And then I started helping more and more of their friends go through that process. And I mean, this is, I was pretty young and this was like when coaching was barely even like known, but I started coaching people on here's how you move forward. Here's how you get back on the path you want. And so I became a coach and, and that's how I got on this path. Although it's really funny because the clarity journal came, you know, we have these cycles, everything, everything that was new and interesting and exciting at one point, becomes rote and not as interesting because you grow and you change. And so the clarity journal came about because about four years ago, I was back stuck at the beginning of that cycle. Like I want to change. Like I'm, I've really hit where I wanted to hit and I don't know what to do next. And I had two small kids. And so I was going back and forth with a friend of mine and finally she stopped me and she was like becca you're a coach mm-hmm. what would you tell yourself yeah and i just sat there in stunned silence for a second and i was like <laughs> you're right i'm a coach why do i how do i help people with this like how do i like breaking it down for me and I got off the phone and I started writing question after question. I asked people and I just started answering it for myself. Yeah. And as I was doing that, I was like, Oh, you know, coaching's fabulous and it can be really helpful, but just having those questions is also hugely powerful. And so mm-hmm. I, I took that and I wrote a book.
0: Yes, you did. Yeah. Wow. What a story too. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Uh, There's several things you mentioned I want to touch on, but the whole thing about people hating their jobs and and we're at a time right now, this is kind of an interesting point where you and I are talking because just this last week, uh, the COVID unemployment benefits ran out for, you know, that whole legislation was till I think the week before labor day. So a lot of people, I think, especially right now, find themselves wondering what do I do? And there's all kinds of caveats to that these days, especially in light of COVID and other considerations. Um, but, and let's touch on that in a minute, but back to the Myers-Briggs, by the way, what's your Myers-Briggs? If you don't mind me asking, what was your result?
1: <laughs> I am an ENFP.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. I thought you might be similar to me. I'm an ENFJ, which is like the oh, difference.
1: <laughs> I am, but I was almost going to say, I was like, that's too nuanced. I'm a cusp of P and J.
0: Oh, so okay. I was right
1: in the middle and I got to choose.
0: <laughs> oh, well, there you go. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. Us folks who do podcasts usually at least have the E, which for those who don't know is extrovert.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Uh, but anyway, cool. I was just curious about that, but yeah, let's touch on the COVID thing and the whole unemployment and what should people do right now in light of, I know we talked theoretically about like in general, we could go back to the nineties or 10 years ago even, but uh, like for today, how does this apply? Do you think the things that you do and help people in these questions what should people be thinking about and how do they make these decisions?
1: Oh, that is such a difficult question at this particular moment in time.
0: I don't expect you have all the answers.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but because for some people it's easy, because if yeah. their industry or their set of industries hasn't been impacted, I, I mean, there are so many jobs out there. So there's definitely this haves and haves nots right now. Cause on one yeah. hand, you know, if you are in tech, you could easily find a job. I've got people flipping jobs really easily right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then if you are say a hotel manager, well, a lot of the hotel business hasn't come back yet. Um, and mm-hmm. so it's a really interesting dichotomy. And I think that it's really hard because we haven't really seen where it's going to settle. Like it's not at the point where I tell people who really want to be where they were that they should be retraining yet because it's hard. I, I mean, they're getting to the point where maybe they do need to t- retrain, but mm-hmm. it's it's definitely a, some people are winning and some people really aren't. yeah, And so I think one of the things that I would really always have people start with is what are your strengths? Because a lot of times I find that people, you go through school and during school, everyone kind of focuses on the C they got and not the A. And so we train ourselves to focus on the things that we struggle with and not the things that we're really good at. And Mm -hmm. it's so funny when I get a new client, you know, I'll listen to them for a session or two and almost inevitably by the end of the second session, I will, you know, parrot back what they've said and I'll be like, you know, I'm really hearing that you have this strength. Are you aware of it? And uh, so many times they will pause and be a little dumbfounded. Like it's not like they don't know it's a strength of theirs, but what they're dumbfounded about is that they are, that that strength is so valuable. Mm-hmm. I will point out, Hey, you're a great writer. Do you know how few people are good writers these days? Yeah. You really could write your own ticket. If you can only market yourself in the right way for the right job mm-hmm. or you know people who are good at math like there's a whole slew of things they can do and i think everyone has that thing you i laughed when you said that your dad majored in speaking because i was like i didn't even know that was a major but it, it really makes 70s. sense yeah by 60 yeah so but it really makes sense that someone who majored in that would go into sales and i think that a lot of times when you go and get an mba they're really training you to speak. It is almost a public speaking course, but I will run into people every once in a while who got an MBA and for some reason, didn't pick up on the public speaking aspect of it and still can't speak publicly very well. And they have the hardest time getting jobs because it's a little bit of a disconnect from what people are expecting of an MBA. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's really just being able to own what you do well yeah. and so say you were a hotel manager mm-hmm. well that has a massive amount of overlap with say project manager and tech or um let's see what else like construction firms or a lot of time I've had a couple of project um, a lot of a couple of people who uh, end up in like commercial real estate, I mean, not necessarily commercial real estate, like commercial buildings, but Mm -hmm. like property management, I guess that's the word I'm trying to use. Mm -hmm. And like, they're just good managers. They're good at seeing all the cogs and making sure the pieces don't, you know, they are project managers. And so it's really being able to recognize that because not everyone can make sure the balls all stay juggling up in the air. Yep. So it's just really interesting to me. Well, it sounds...
0: Yeah, I, I don't mean to cut you off. No, it's
1: okay, go ahead. <laughs> well,
0: good points though, really good points. I it's I mean, it sounds to me like it's really case by case, is all I was gonna say. It's like like you said, people in tech, plus you're in a place like Seattle, there's a lot of tech up there, as I understand, in different pockets of the country that way. And then in a place like Las Vegas here, the hotel industry. And, you know, the whole Vegas thing, by and large, as far as I can tell, seems to have come back. Although there's a lot of things that are still kind of on the fence, like the buffets, you know, you haven't been right. to Vegas, but I'm sure you've probably seen this in Reno, uh, yeah. but yeah, so we have some of the Cirque du Soleil shows back. Some of them aren't and a few little things like that, but Vegas seems to be hopping because I've been down by the strip once or twice during the weekend hey, and it's, it's going, but you know, it'll
1: be really interesting to see whether Vegas is still hopping like, you know, it's September 7th. Yeah, they I know by September third, like 30th, because while tourism's hopping, conventions aren't happening still, yeah. or they aren't happening nearly as big. Like a lot of the big companies aren't sending their people. So I think you'd be surprised that there is actually overlap, probably with you know the conference industry and which really runs a gamut from the people who make the conference banners and all of that. Um staging to you know the the booth the we used to call them booth girls like the, the women who are like handing out swag um yeah. and they are, almost always are women <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know it it's it, so it's really interesting I don't I don't know but so it's like figuring out okay I'm an event planner and events aren't really happening or like I'm a business event planner maybe getting into personal event planning or whatnot. So it's kind of an interesting, it's been interesting to see how people have moved and yeah, it is really case by case. And so it's hard for me to say blanket, you should do this. But I think if anyone's listening to it, this, it's to really think expansively about what your strengths are.
0: Yeah. Well, the whole event thing is really interesting because I think it all weaves in and out of this whole thing, like zoom, you and I are doing this right now. And, uh, the like I didn't even know what zoom was I I regret to have to say that until covid <laughs> no oh, offense to zoom uh, I never used zoom I used skype and a few other things and I was like what's this zoom what's this wizardry but uh anyway so now everybody with the whole events thing people have got if it wasn't for covid people wouldn't have gotten used to working at home maybe even in their pajamas and being right. on a zoom call looking you know, dressed up on the top half and maybe not the bottom half. And then when it comes to, (laughs) when it comes to events, it's like a lot of them. Like I look at Russell Brunson from ClickFunnels. He's doing this funnel hacking live this month in September. Um, But he's also doing it all online as well. They're doing it live in Orlando, Okay. but they're charging the same amount for people to go in live. It's like 997 kind of thing. And I was like, wow, he's charging the same amount for people to sit home and do it. uh, like I know Tony Robbins has done and these aren't the same kind of conferences exactly you're talking about either because some of them are like conventions and trade shows and other things but uh people are getting used to the new paradigm that oh, we can do everything from home. And for the most part, we can. There have been times, by the way, I work largely from home where I look at, like, I sit back for a second after a day or two. I'm like, I have not left the house for three days. And I I have all my food. I have my meetings. And then I'm like, oh, I need to go out and get some fresh air. And I work out at home. Like...
1: (laughs) Maybe well, I'm letting people I did, in my life
0: too much. Anyway, go ahead.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I did a podcast this morning at 6 AM oh. and I am not a morning person. <laughs> and so I just like rolled out of bed, brushed my hair, you know, turned on all the lights like talked for, it was a short one, thankfully. <laughs> so talked for a half hour and then went back to sleep. You know, I don't know that I would have scheduled it if I had had to drive 30 minutes and park. And, you know, like it's, yeah. it's I think we've looked at our free time differently. And so some things are definitely worth doing in person. But on the other hand, it's like, if I can get that same information without the commute, That sounds really nice.
0: Of course. Yeah. I mean, let's take advantage of this uh, with the right attitude. Not that we all become lazy slobs like the movie Wally. If you've seen that, you've got kids. Uh, I do. And if you haven't, go see it. W-A-L-L-E. I think that's how they (laughs) spell it in Disney. But I digress. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, yeah. If we respect the process where it's not... Like I said earlier, like my dad he came up in an era where all this stuff didn't exist even you and I I don't know exact age but I was born in 1980 and oh, uh, I was too oh look at us yes 80s kids and 90s <laughs> and the internet came out in the 90s and so no one was doing video conferencing back then this is all new smartphones didn't even come out till like 2008 and back in those earlier days when you and I were kids with our hippies um, it was like my dad would fly to Phoenix or Cincinnati or some other place and, and have a meeting and shake hands and then get back on a flight and come on back to Albuquerque where I was growing up at the time. And, uh, and, and now people are really, number one, they kind of had to do that in those days, but number two, now we don't have to. And and right. even though people still were, it's, it's, uh, that's why you mentioned commercial real estate too. I'm going off a little tangent, a lot of commercial space. I'm seeing suffering because yep. businesses have gone out and people like, I know a couple of folks who, they had a $20,000 a month office. And they're like, well, we don't need this. So they realized during COVID, it was like this forced everyone at home. Right. They realized, oh, everyone can work at home and we could save 20000 a month off of an office. And
1: people are happier, right? Like, I, I, I think so. I think it depends on the person. I've, as someone was telling me, I have a friend who is an employment law attorney. So she works in a house at um, a company and they did a survey of their employees and it was basically a third of the employees did not ever want to go back into the office. Yeah, About a third of the employees did definitely want to go back into the office. And about a third of of the employees wanted to be able to do whatever they wanted, basically depend on the week.
0: Yeah. Do I want to come in?
1: And I kind of feel like that makes sense. And I am firmly in the, like at least the middle one where I would want to be able to have the choice if I had to go back to work. Cause I really, I do like being out and about and talking to people. I am an extrovert. Uh, But every day that just sounds exhausting. And I think the longer the pandemic goes on, the more that just sounds exhausting to everybody having to go back to, you know, five days a week.
0: Yeah. Well, even for us extroverts, uh, like I love talking to people too. Clearly, um, but uh, I've I've gotten that fix working from home, being like I said, talking to hundreds of people in the last both podcasts and other things that we do uh, business wise. And I still get to know people. Maybe it's because I started in telemarketing back when I was like 21, uh, and I was calling all over the country. Even back then, got to know all these different things. But um, so I, for me personally, I can still get that fix. And, right. you know, and we men aren't necessarily as like, Hey, I can go hug people and stuff. Not that everyone's doing that in a business setting, but
1: it's right. like,
0: I don't necessarily, you know, I can get that another way perhaps, but it's like people still can interact and still have that stimulating conversation right. with, or, with or without the physical presence kind of aspect.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: So now one of the things you talked about, um, what are your thoughts on the whole uh, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with the education thing. You mentioned the MBA, and I, I know several people who've gotten MBAs and medical school and all kinds of things. Uh, and yet there's kind of this ongoing, seemingly growing, gradually debate about the education thing in general, like number one, a lot of the faculties, the deans and stuff of these universities, and this is, you know, this is a little bit of a rabbit hole, but when we talk about people making decisions about education, because this is still right. in the vein of what you do, um, and obviously you're probably biased, you got an MBA, and that's okay. I'm biased. Oh, I
1: don't actually have an MBA. Oh, oh sorry.
0: <laughs> we were talking about people getting it. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, I
0: clarified that. Yes. I just wanted to make sure that you knew that I was apparently wasn't listening. No, I was, but I, I <laughs> jumbled so it up. Uh, okay. But anyway, so what are your thoughts on, it? I could go on and big long questions I'm long winded myself, but um, the whole education thing, people get hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt and then sometimes end up working at Domino's or something, you know what I mean? Uh, you no,
1: know, I think when that happens, a lot of times they were going to school or going back to school as a reaction to something as opposed to really making sure that what they were doing was what they want. I think we all know someone who went and got a master's degree because they didn't like their job. And so that seemed like the next natural progression. And, but because they didn't like their job and because they were kind of just so sick of everything Mm -hmm. they just signed up. You know, I know they thought they were thinking it through, but they were thinking it through from a place of lack as opposed to from a place of energy. And I think also a lot of times people, (sighs) this is encouraged by academia. You look at the school's brochure, you look at the like all of the statistics the schools throw at you and you're just like oh you have this rosy like gla- what's the I'm trying to think of a metaphor the rose colored glasses you have the rose colored yeah, yeah. glasses on about what it is you're going to do when you get out but when i talk to academics they do not understand the real world at all I'll hear academics tell someone in undergrad that they'll be able to do something. And I'm like, yeah, that person's not going to be able to do that until they go back and get a PhD. Like that is not... What they are going to be doing out of college. And (laughs) so I am a big believer in education because I am a big believer in growth and education can be phenomenal, but I'm only a big believer in education. If you are really clear about what it is that you want and what it is you're doing, I will get people who, you know, decided to go back to law school and almost inevitably if they decided to go to law school and they had no law background, they almost always hate the job by the time they get out of law school. But <laughs> but I get a lot of people that I run into who went to law school because they had been a paralegal first. And those people oh. know exactly what the job is going to be. And quite frankly, they were probably doing the job before they went back to law school. Uh, they just weren't being paid, you know, as well. Yeah. So, I so I don't ever like telling people not to go back, but I do think that if you are going to invest a hundred thousand dollars in something, you damn well need to make sure that you understand what you're undertaking. And I think the best way to do that is if you are looking at a particular program, just I want to say Google on LinkedIn, you know, go into LinkedIn, search on the look bar and like find out who has gone and just start reaching out to people, like see what their resumes are like, you know, mm-hmm. someone who is like, who graduated maybe five years ago. And you'd be surprised if you reach out to 10 people, at least two of them will probably be willing to have a phone conversation with you just to pick their brain about what they're doing. Yeah, And I think that that really helps you figure out what it is you want. But we're all so insular. We all feel like we can just look at the website taken the information and know what to do. And we miss out on that human connection of really getting real life experience. It was funny. I was doing Pilates (laughs) and when you do Pilates, if you do it with the big machines, you're like doing it pretty much one-on-one with a Pilates instructor. Mm -hmm. And so you talk a lot. (laughs) I was, I was starting Pilates. I had had a hip injury and my physical therapist recommended it. And so I'm in Pilates talking to the Pilates instructor and in, in, inevitably comes up, oh, what do you do? Oh, well, I'm a career coach. And she was like, huh, what's that? <laughs> and I, you know, start walking through it and I start walking through, you know one of the things I tell people is to like reach out until like really gather a lot of information. And I felt so bad. She stopped dead and was just like so quiet. And she's like sheepishly like, you know what? if I had hired you, I would have never become a Pilates instructor. And I was like, oh, why do you say that? And she was (laughs) like, if I had talked to people before I went and spent thousands of dollars on the Pilates instructor training, I would have known that it's a split shift. And I would have known that wasn't going to work well for my life. Mm. Basically when you are any sort of fitness instructor. You have to work really early in the morning for all those people that want to work, like want to work out before work, you're getting up at like four or five in the morning, Mm. but then, By 10, by the time all the stay-at-home moms are done, you are (laughs) off until four. You've got this huge block of time between 10 and four that you probably don't have anything. (laughs) And then you're working again from four to eight. And it's really exhausting. And then, you know, I live in an expensive metro area. So a Pilates instructor can't really afford to live in the city. So she had like a 45-minute commute. So what does she do? Does she stay here? Does she go back? She wasn't seeing any of her family. And, Mm. you know, but when I think about it, I would have totally been able to tell her that right off the bat, if she had said, Hey, I'm thinking like, if I had met her at a party and she said, I'm thinking about becoming a Pilates instructor, like, okay, but it's a split shift. Are you sure? Yeah. (laughs) So I think there's just that like level of nuanced information that you are just never going to get from Googling. And you're never going to be able to really apply the information fully to you without the human teaching. So it's kind of funny. I'm cycling into this after you asked me about going to school Yeah, (laughs) because I think I am a big believer in learning from people. Some people learn great from books, but to be able to really synthesize the information, you need someone to help you synthesize it. It's why people pay $9.97 to go to Richard Branson's or why people pay a fortune to Tony Robbins because you need that human connection to help you process the new information in a way that like you can then take in for yourself. Not that you like outsource everything to them, not that you're outsourcing your decision-making to them, but if you get enough people to, to give you information, then you can synthesize it for yourself. If you only ask one person, well, then you might end up making a bad choice just because you're basing it off of like, are they cranky that day? Are they, you know, you know, are they just always a complainer? Did they hate the job they did before this one, you know? yeah. (laughs) So, you know, there's this balance you want to like think for yourself, but I'm just such a huge believer in reaching out to people.
0: Yeah. There's something to be said for that. And, and I like what you say too, about getting kind of a cross section sampling, (laughs) not just, you know, one or, to even people, but like, you know, more than, more than that. And, and your whole, the whole Pilates thing, that's a really good, I think, both story and metaphor for all of us to really think about, Oh, we don't want to be in that kind of oh situation that I took the path that maybe didn't, wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be up front, And, uh, that's why what you do is so important. I like that we're using the word clarity because, and that's obviously in the title of this, the clarity journal as well that you did, um, And I've had even on our podcast, I've had a few folks who went to law school. I could think of three off the top of my head who who then went a different direction later because they realized, oh, some teacher or some parent or some other thing kind of said, hey, you'd make a great attorney or hey, dad was an attorney or whatever. And and then they realized, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. And by the way, attorneys and no offense to anybody, but statistically attorneys are at the top or near the top of the least happy uh, right. People on earth and, and and it's
1: so sad to me because you when you talk about like attorneys moving to different careers, that's like it's so hard right now if you don't have a trust fund because law school at this point is so expensive. Oh yeah. so I know attorneys that have changed jobs that are in their like 30s, 40s, and 50s. Wow, but you try to do that in your 20s. I get lawyers contacting me all the time like, hey, pick your brain. Like, let me see if I'm going to hire you. And we talk for like, you know, 15 minutes and they're like, Oh, no, not hiring you because what they're looking for is someone to tell them, Hey, I can help you pivot from the current job and still make somewhere between 120 and $170,000 a year while you're starting out in a new industry from scratch. (laughs) I I can't (sighs) like, you know, and half of them want to go into politics and (laughs) politics doesn't pay well until you really go through the hoops. Like it can pay well. Yes. There are people that make very good money in politics. They are not the people that are just starting out.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah. Well, like big time folks, I just started Barack Obama's book. And of course he was president as you may know. And, uh, (laughs) but yeah, those guys are in the upper echelons and uh, really interesting stories there. But again, I could go off on a little tangent on that, and you're you're absolutely right. And and I know this with people of all walks of life. Really, it's um, what it gets down to is exactly what it is you do, which is the Clarity Journal. I know on the top of your website it says find clarity and get unstuck. So how do we do that, Becca? How do we get to that place where we where we see where it's not like, hey, I kind of like doing Pilates, so I should be a Pilates instructor and I'll be happy all my days. But it's like, let's take into account everything without and it you know, no offense to her either. Like maybe she didn't realize, oh, I need to take into account that split shift scenario right. and all that kind of stuff. So tell me, how do we do it?
1: <laughs> you know, I think there's a couple things to start with. Okay. I think the first thing to start with is recognize whatever answer you come up with is going to last you three years, maybe five but you are a growing human being who almost certainly likes creative challenges. And so even if you don't really identify with that, as soon as a job becomes boring, you're going to want to shift. So don't try to figure out what you want to be doing on your deathbed. Really, I mean you can you can think about it certainly. But mm-hmm. don't be attached to that. Really think about what you want to be doing for the next three years and where that will lead. But mm-hmm. also I think that you know when we are unhappy, when we are stuck, we are often avoiding whatever it is that is causing that unhappiness and that feeling of stuckness. And so things like the Clarity Journal, where you are getting outside of your own head and really getting yourself out on paper, or if you hire a coach that you're getting yourself out of your own head. I think that that's really important, but the underlying thing that you are doing there is being honest with yourself. And so often people aren't really honest with themselves about on how unhappy they are in a situation. And they often on the flip side also have excuses for why they need to stay a little bit longer. I am always shocked by how many people, especially women will tell me, Oh, I'll hire you in eight months. Once I'm done with this project, because it would be really bad for my coworkers. If I left before eight months and I'm just sitting here, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, that's nice and all, but you'll be lucky if you're job gives you two weeks notice if they're letting you go. Like like you really don't actually owe anyone to stay in a job for eight months that you're unhappy in. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is always shocking to me because it's like, you're literally putting their happiness above your own. And I think that that's just so common But I would say that like what you really need to start with is learning how to be more honest with yourself and really see the situation for what it is. Because I think the other thing that I run into is that oftentimes when people talk to me. You know, they're angry, and I can tell they're angry about something that's going on with work. Like, they don't like their boss, their boss is a micromanager, whatever it is. But they're constantly trying to tell themselves they shouldn't be emotional because we all in society tell ourselves that we shouldn't be emotional. Mm -hmm. And like, if we're being emotional, we're not being logical. But logically, if your boss is a crazy micromanager, (laughs) You Mm -hmm. should be angry. Like they are infantilizing you, (laughs) you know what I mean? And so we have this weird disconnect with a lot of our negative emotions because we don't feel like they're rational, but they are extremely rational and they are begging you to listen. They are begging you to recognize that whatever situation you are in is not working for you.
0: Yeah, that's really a great, great point great set of points. And and I've learned that from a lot of folks I've had on the podcast here who've taught me about emotions and things too, that you need to kind of understand what they mean and realize uh, that, that, like you just said, that they're telling you something, that they're kind of a lot of times a warning sign, especially for the more negative things, uh, so that maybe you make a change of some sort. And, And so what it sounds like too, is a lot of people get into this mode of being let's say subservient or just a people pleaser like hey i need to stay on this job for eight months as you pointed out uh because i don't want all these people to not like me or whatever but like you said on the flip side of that coin they're going to give you maybe two weeks if you're lucky it might be same day sorry we're shutting down you're done the kind of stuff so it's like it, it wouldn't be reciprocated um how do people get to know themselves and maybe be um more cognizant of their own uh, just personality traits, like what drives them, and, and, and then pick and choose, okay, maybe I need to adjust this, this people-pleasing thing. I've been guilty of that. I think we all have to some extent, but um, all kinds of things. Uh, maybe people have an anger issue or some other thing like that. How do people get in tune and, and face themselves first and foremost so that then they can make these decisions maybe from a more healthy place?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I could tell you meditation and all that, you know, go do yoga. Um, but <laughs> that I stuff
0: think, does help, but go ahead. And
1: that stuff does help. I am a big believer in journaling. Like, so I would say you could get the clarity journal. My favorite of course. question in the clarity journal is: who do you envy and what does that tell you about yourself? So I yeah. am trying to help people really like think differently about where they are. And I think that a lot of times when we envy someone, you know, you know, if you wanted to be a singer, you wouldn't envy all singers. There'd be a specific five singers that you'd really wish you could be. And there'd be a lot of reasons for that. And so really diving into who it is you Envy, who it is you admire, who it is you respect, and what that tells you about what you want, I think that can be really powerful. I think that just taking the time to listen to yourself. So, even if you're not into journaling, you're like going for a walk where you commit to not looking at your phone. <laughs> I think I do some of my best thinking when I'm walking and not looking at my phone. And it's yeah. so hard for us. I think it's at some level, it's really funny when you ask that because I'm just like, okay, well, you go back to the 1970s yes. <laughs> and you just have a lot more boredom time so you can think better, yeah. you know? I and mean, we don't ever have to be bored anymore. And so, it, and if we are uncomfortable with where we are, we end up using screens even more than we would if we were really happy. So I think really being cognizant of that and... You know, spending some time with yourself, even if it's uncomfortable, however you want to do it, the more you can do that, the better you'll get at it. Like the first time you pick up a journal, it's not like you're going to be like, Oh, and now I'm going to be a brain surgeon. (laughs) It's it's a process of really getting back in touch with yourself and both getting in touch with the good and the bad. I think sometimes people are usually comfortable with one or the other. So there's always the person that like spend all their time in the journal, like complaining about the situation. So uh, for those people, I would invite you to yes, complain, vent, get it out, but then try to pivot and look at the good. However, there's also people who like only write surface level good stuff like, Oh, today I saw a pretty flower. Like, you know, it's just, it's like very aspirational, very (laughs) butterflies and rainbows. And for those people, I would say, look at the flip side, like what anger, what frustration are you avoiding? What, what are, where are you stuck? Because if, if you're listening to this, if you've gotten this far, (laughs) In yeah. listening to this, then yeah. <laughs> there's something that's like kind of in the back of your mind trying to get out.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. I, <clears throat> I was. excuse me <clears throat> gotta clear my throat here i was uh, actually i was recently watching this movie i don't know if you saw battle of the sexes from the 70s it's not from the 70s but the story is the 70s emma stone steve carell you know okay. sarah silverman but it's uh, about Billie jean king the tennis player and they they did this whole it's almost kind of like a circus event of like why men are better at tennis, which wouldn't even happen today. Everyone would just, you know, crush somebody if, if they tried. Right. That. But, <laughs> but it, yeah, so you go back and i see these old movies and it's like no one's walking around with a phone because guess what? They didn't. Or if they did, they had the brick phone and they had I remember my dad in the 90s had like 30 minutes with a, a month
1: satellite phone th- like the huge briefcase style phone yeah
0: all that stuff but even the earlier like more portable cell phones like i was saying, my dad had 30 minutes per month that he could use on the phone in the 90s and oh my it, God. so he'd call home and be like hey i'm on my way home i don't have much time i'll see you soon that kind of thing but um anyway so what it gets down to and i'm being kind of silly with some of these little stories but what it gets down to is like the whole sensory stimulation thing today. It's like you said about going for a walk without your phone and kind of really getting to know yourself. And uh, because sensory stimulation does not necessarily mean positive productivity. It's we no, it it kind doesn't. of con ourselves into thinking, Oh, well, my senses are stimulated. I've got Facebook or the news or some cute YouTube cat video or something going on, but really you're, you're not really getting anywhere. Uh, you right. might be getting somewhere going for a walk, but anyway, I could go on and on and on. So uh, what is it about all this as far as like facing ourselves everyone's at a different place it's almost like and i'm not going to tell you how to do what you do but it's it almost feels like you have to prepare people just to face themselves to then face themselves and prepare themselves to then make decisions <laughs> because a lot of people are scared to just face themselves and 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 that's what people have done throughout history is they'll, they'll turn to something whether it be you know, drugs or sex or other things, especially in past generations and now cell phones and Netflix and stuff on top of all that. How do, how do people get to a place where they can face themselves? I know this is very long winded.
1: (laughs) You know, I think I'm going to laugh because I'm going to go back to the meditation. I think that a lot of times when we talk about mindfulness, we talk about mindfulness in the exact same breath as we talk about meditation. And I always get my back up a little bit about that because to me, mindfulness is so much more than just meditation. Like, yes, meditation is a good way of teaching mindfulness, but a lot of times when I hear an adult learning to meditate, they're kind of two steps to meditating, right? You Mm -hmm. like sit cross-legged, you notice what's going on. And as you notice it, you non-judgmentally let it go. Well, everyone fixates on that non-judgmentally letting it go and not on the noticing. And so you hear time after time, after time, people say, oh, I couldn't quiet my mind. And it's like, well, to me, you're not going to be able to quiet your mind until you acknowledge what's going on in your mind and like really be able to like see it. And so I think we've sometimes Americanized meditation <laughs> and it's like, no, but we need that like end goal. And it's like, oh my God, that's not the point. Yeah. <laughs> the end goal isn't the point. The point is to become more in touch with yourself. And so I guess if I was going to suggest anything it's say, like just recognize that mindfulness is about getting in touch with yourself Yeah. and and that's going to bring up some anger. That's going to bring up some all sorts of uncomfortable emotions. Because as you get in touch with yourself, you're going to see things that you wish you had done differently. But yeah, but there's no time like the present. Like, you know, life is short. And if you are always pushing it aside and, and leaving it for another day, I get people who come to me in their 50s and 60s, like what should I do next? Like I'm in a bind now. Like I got in this career, I didn't like it 20 years ago. I really can't bring myself to do it anymore. What do I do? And I can just I I just will say like it really sucks to be in that spot. Like it really I I've seen it. I've seen it a lot, mm-hmm. and. You want to avoid it at all costs. <laughs> and so, even if you don't find your dream job next week, just moving along that path so that you are being kind to your fifty and sixty year old self, I think is really worth it.
0: Mm. Very, very good points. it's it's almost like putting that in that perspective, like, okay, you're maybe you're like in our case, i'm forty one now we were born in nineteen eighty, and it's you look at life like okay, do I want to be looking back when I'm 60 or 70 with all these regrets and like really start to paint that picture enough to really motivate ourselves and each other. In your case, your your clients, the, like, that's the motivation to then go do that sometimes difficult work to get to know yourself and get to know what's making you tick and, and all these things. I, I, you've made some excellent, excellent points. And this is such an amazing, deep topic because it's, um, everyone deals with difficulty surrounding this, but you can start to kind of realize there can be a kind of a fluid motion that you can develop with it all to where, okay, some difficulty or a new transition takes place. This, these are the steps I take. These are the questions I ask. And then this is how I make those decisions and your clarity journal, obviously, and your coaching is going to help people big time. Um, now real quick too. You and I both. We. Have, I have two boys. They're twelve and nine. How old are your kids?
1: I have two boys, and they are twelve and seven.
0: <laughs> we well, have <we've got> a <laughs> lot of parallels. Interesting. We
1: have a lot of parallels.
0: Well, bring them to Vegas. We'll all go to the pool and go have some fun.
1: Perfect.
0: Uh, the Sole. Um, but so, w- from a parenting standpoint, is there anything we should do better as parents? I mean, do you use oh. any version of these principles with your? i'm gonna sit here and
1: be like hey okay do we have another hour uh okay my like three minute five minute rendition of this i so my boys are homeschooled well they're in in washington we have this really interesting thing we actually have public schools for homeschoolers and technically they're not homeschooled because they go to public school but they only go half time and it's pretty cool and it's it's a really interesting program um But when uh, someone asks, I say they're homeschooled. And the thing that's always funny is when a random person is like, oh, they're homeschooled. How do they learn to deal with difficult people? And I tell you, that made me, the first time someone asked me that question, that made me stop so fast and really do some serious thinking because all of my clients all of them stay in jobs they don't like stay in bad situations they don't like for way too long all of them and so i think we are training kids to stay in bad situations you know they get a teacher and the teacher sucks well in adult life if your boss sucks you should get another job. And so but we're so obsessed with this idea that kids need to learn to stick it out and they do, right? They need to learn how to stick it out for a goal they really want. Yeah. You know, my kid has a bad day at taekwondo. Yes, absolutely. I encourage him to go back. But yeah. You know, my kid gets a new instructor at taekwondo that he obviously hates and he's been with it for a couple months. Like at this moment like, no, he shouldn't have to stick it out for a year. And it was really funny because I actually said this once on a podcast, and I knew nothing about the woman who was interviewing me. And <laughs> she got very emotional because evidently, like the year before, she'd actually pulled her kid out of one school and put him in another because he was being bullied. Mm. And, and he was young, he was like maybe in first grade. And she was just like, thank you so much. Everyone said that I should make him stick it out. And I just couldn't bear him wasting a year in this garbage. And so I'm not telling you to pull your kid out of school, but like recognize that, yes, there is value in your kid learning persistence. Absolutely. But there is no value in your kid learning to stick in a horrible situation Like well past when they've known it was a horrible situation, and really being able to honor their feelings in either case.
0: Mm. Good stuff. Yeah, it's it's kind of a tough, delicate dance all the time as a parent. That, uh, <laughs> that sigh from a mother says it all. <laughs> the whole podcast yeah. could just be that sigh over and over, but um, <laughs> the sigh podcast. Um, <laughs> because you all, most of us, I think, really love our kids, those of us who have right. them. And, and yet we know the world they're in. And we know that in a lot of ways it's getting harder and worse in some respects and better in others. But uh, it's like you just at the end of the day, you just want your kids to be happy. And so... Right as a parent, it's like, I sit down with my boys and we like at bedtime, what I do is I sit down, we read and stuff. And, and by the way, that's very good for kids. I wasn't always doing it consistently, but statistically, and they don't even know all the reasons why, but kids do better as adults in all areas of life by having read with parents. <laughs> as yeah. kids, I don't know all the reasons why, but, uh, anyway, side note. But then when I go to bed, I talk to them, I actually go lay with them in their beds individually for a few minutes. And we just talk and, and sometimes play and tickle and wrestle. But, uh, also, it's like have the conversations of just, you know, for me, at least this this is very transparent for me. I tell my kids, go do whatever you want with your life, but don't right. hurt anybody and do whatever you're going to do the very best you can do it. And yeah. that's all you can ask for, whether they want to go be at my son's skateboarding, go be a pro skater. Okay. That's going to be a lot of work. You're not just Tony Hawk one day. Or the next, there's no easy button. Like you pressed on the, the iPad to get YouTube. Right. It's you have to go get to work and learn the tricks or go if you want to be a doctor, then yeah, go to school. But I tell them if there's something that doesn't require go to school, you don't have to just do everything your teachers say. If you want to go to trade school and go be a plumber or go whatever, I'll support you. And so right. it's tough. Some parents might cringe at me saying that, but because they want to say, oh, well, I want my kid to be a lawyer or whatever. Well, OK, <laughs> that's your family pedigree. You do what you're going to do. But I would submit from experience and in interviewing a lot of folks in this podcast and tons of others outside of this that uh people need to have their freedom and just guidance, especially from like a coach, like yourself to just make decisions. I know I'm going off a little tangent again, but I'm very passionate about parenting.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I love it. Cause I really, it's something that I'm really passionate about too. And I think that really being able to honor kids and teach them to listen to themselves. Cause I mean, we spent like probably 30 minutes on this, com- uh, on this conversation talking about how can we get back in touch with ourselves? Well, As parents, the absolute best thing we can do is help our kids stay in touch with themselves as they grow up Mm -hmm. so that way they don't have the same push pull of like trying to avoid their negative emotions and then just trying to avoid trying to avoid trying to avoid so they don't actually see.
0: Yeah, you you got to let kids just like if you go plant a tree, a flower or stalk of corn, you want to oh. nourish that seed to let it grow to what it's supposed to be in the right way and not, you know, hopefully go off on any bad side roads or get weeds that kill it in some way we could go off on all kinds of little parables. But we want to nourish that that thing. And in this case, a child, which is more than a thing to be the best it can be. And well, Goodness. We could, I I could tell we could come back. We might even need to do a sequel about the whole parenting topic. And I know that's not even necessarily what you focus on career wise, but it's
1: not, but as a career coach, I feel like my career coaching informs my parenting so much, especially as they get older. It didn't affect it at all. When they were two, but having a 12 year old has been really eye-opening. It's like, Oh
0: yeah. And you're saying the, the, one of the best things you've said on this, you've said a lot of great things is when it comes to the parenting side, helping them stay in touch with themselves. And so that when they're adults, they're not having some of these other problems perhaps, uh, or as, as regularly as maybe you deal with, with some of your adult clients. Um, in closing, one of the things you said early on was, um, who do you envy and what does that tell you about yourself? This is a question you ask your clients sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, I have that question for you. Not necessarily what does it tell you about yourself, but who are some of your heroes? Who are people you look up to, especially somebody who does the amazing things you do?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. And (laughs) I would say... you don't have anybody, it's okay. (laughs) No, I do have people. I would say that I... So I am definitely in my own pivoting transition to really just working on becoming a full-time writer. Uh, I have the first book out. I am actively writing the second book. And so most of my heroes right now are writers. And that's actually how I discovered that I really wanted to get back into writing. I used to coach and I used to run a um, mindfulness website that had 90 authors and I loved it. Mm. But you know, I had kids and it became a little too unwieldy and it wasn't making any money. So, yeah. um, so I would say like right now I've been, so I'm working on my next book is called mindful procrastination and, um, and I've been reading a lot of mindfulness books and also a lot of, um, really interesting self-help books. So I think, Right now, one of my heroes is are the women who wrote Burnout, and I would highly recommend anyone hasn't read it. um, It it talks all about why we get burnt out and how like, and it has really easy, simple steps to break the cycle of stress. Mm -hmm. And so they are my heroes right now. Um, I would also say uh, I absolutely love Elizabeth Gilbert, not just not because I love her book, Eat, Pray, Love, but because I love listening to her on podcasts. And I loved her book, Big Magic. I love how she talks about creativity and sticking with it. Like one of the things she ends up talking about a lot is like, she wrote a bunch of books, like maybe a, a bunch is being facetious, but it was probably at least two or three books before she wrote Eat, Pray, Love and made it big. Yeah. And you know, that level of persistence, like, you know, we were talking about the kids and like letting them quit if it's really not good for them, yeah. but also teaching them persis- persistence. I think some of us as adults need to learn persistence about our dreams. Like we have been so worn down by the real world that we don't have that persistence for our own dreams and so I think she helped me get back in touch with that. So I think I'd say that I both envy them for that level of clarity before they wrote the books. Yeah. Um, and then I <laughs> just appreciate them so much, you know?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Good. I, uh, boy, I appreciate all the great stuff you've shared with us and, uh, I'm taking notes of many of the things you're saying, by the way. And so, so for people who don't know, you have a website, beccaribbing.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. People can go back and just click on it. And then, of course, they can find you at becca Ribbing on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and then becca Joy ribbing on Facebook, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't really. Facebook, that's a really long... Story. Uh, I don't really do Facebook much. So yeah. Becca ribbing at Facebook is actually just my private page, but I do post oh. stuff there. They can find me. My quote unquote professional page is Becca joy ribbing, but eh, you know, okay. Facebook algorithms are what they are. And yes, I stopped trying to fight it a while ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. it's it, it, uh, That's a whole other, we'll do a, a third podcast. We'll do a third that. podcast, I know, on that, I know but you can also about.
1: find the clarity journal at Amazon.
0: Okay. Cool. And I like your, is your middle name joy? Then I take it. It is. I love the word joy in general. It's just, it's so short and it means so much. And it's
1: yeah, I actually really love it. It's like one of the really cool things my parents did.
0: Good hippie people. They gave you a great good hippie people. <laughs> They're not all bad. None of them are bad, but none of them are bad. Yeah. And joy. The reason I love joy, someone taught me a long time ago. And I've said this before on the podcast, the word joy in Hebrew, largely means alignment. And so that's a lot of what we're talking about here. And that's right there in the middle of your name, Joy. So I did
1: not know that. Use that. Wow. Now that's it awesome. goes it goes a
0: lot deeper. This friend who taught me went to some Jewish synagogues and they like he got to know some of these like upper people in these organizations and it's alignment with God. And it's, it's, this is a really deep thing. Joy is such a short, <laughs> simple word, but it's really deep. And
1: okay. And you're go look up the etymology. I love that. I love looking up etymology. Anyway, you're not going to so.
0: probably find exactly that whole thing with the Hebrew because he told, he told me that he kind of learned this through some religious centers and stuff that anyway, I don't have, but either way, whether, whether it's on the internet on Google or not, it makes sense. Alignment is joy. Alignment with who you are. Alignment with maybe with God, depending on your belief system and and all kinds of things. Alignment with your spouse. Alignment with everything. So <laughs> anyway, uh, on that note, thank you so much, Becca Joy Ribbing, for joining us on the podcast and sharing and parting such really, really great stuff. And again, go to that website, uh, beccarubbing.com and we'll have links for all that. And for our audience, of course, we're flattered that you spend time with us and we're grateful and until next time empower yourself empower the world around you thank you thanks so much for listening to empower humans if you enjoyed the show please rate and review this podcast for more great content and to stay up to date visit empowerhumans.com we'll catch you next time